Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, today I was alerted to an article that uh, was published a couple of days ago in a publication called the Washington Spectator. Uh, this article is written by someone named Dave Troy, who is a says he's an investigative journalist, uh, but I don't think that he really is. I think he's just pretending to be. He's calling himself that when he really isn't, because after reading this article, I didn't see any investigative journalism there whatsoever. I saw I saw a crazy conspiracy theory and pretty much nothing else. There was really not a lot of factual information in there. Uh, basically, what he's he's he, what he does here. This article uh, was uh, put together to uh, basically lump the entire UFO community uh, into a, into a box and call them uh, violent uh, uh, extremists. Basically, that's what he's done here. Uh, anyway, I want to talk about this article today because uh, it's very it angers me very much. Basically, it's totally false. Some of the stuff that he's uh, states in here. Actually, uh, Klaus, who's a a personality that you'll see on Twitter X a lot, uh, talks about UFOs all the time. He actually wrote today, uh, or excuse me, yesterday, that Dave Troy article is the laziest piece of journalism I've seen in a long time, and the fact that it took him months to write it should tell you all you need to know. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it says he's an investigative journalist, but this guy's really not. And, and, to, and to say that basically people, the UFO community is basically a bunch of uh, violent extremists who could help to end democracy. Basically, that was the gist of this article. I, I don't know what he's talking about. Because uh, for one thing, people in the UFO community, uh, they despise violence. I mean, I talk about it on here all the time. I, 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 I bemoan the fact that the human race is, is a bunch of, you know, act like a bunch of uh, wild, violent animals on a regular basis and that we we you know these visitors that are here they must look at us and that's how they view us i mean i that's what we talk about here. That's not people don't want violence. People don't aren't talking about violence. I think what uh, what uh, uh, this guy's he, Dave Troy. He's confused uh, frustration with uh, with violence with uh, calls for violence. That's what he's done. That's what he's doing here. Basically, what he did to to make his his to try to booster his case was he took some comments from Jeremy Corbell uh, that took them out of context and then used that as 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 the impetus to for his argument here is that uh, we're heading down this path uh, uh, toward uh, where, where people in Congress are starting to listen to these violent, stupid maniacs out there who believe in UFOs and and, and they're taking it for gospel and they're uh, passing legislation. That's what he's talking about here. Uh, he goes here, he actually talked about the, uh, uh, early on in his article, he says, uh, that the 20 he talks about the 2024 National Defense Authorization Act which that includes a provision that requires the federal government to provide any and all records on UAP to the National Archives which in turn is supposed to make them available to the public uh yeah but to see that for one thing that that 
legislation was gutted. There were there were provisions in there that ca- called for eminent domain, making any objects that are in the holdings of any of these uh, defense manufacturer defense contractors to turn them that they become the property of the United States. All of that stuff's gone, and and there's no guarantee that the, the, these organizations they're not going to really be forced to do anything. I don't know what he's talking about here because he says here he says and come June 2024, 180 days after the bill was passed in December and smack in the middle of election season, activists hope that a deluge of new UAP information will be disclosed. The new law requires that all UAP-related records created more than 25 years ago must be made public unless personally blocked by President Biden. Uh, this there, there's not really no teeth in this thing. We're not going to get the records. A lot of people in the UFO community already realize this. I mean, this this bill really lacks a lot of teeth. I mean, uh, for one thing, people in the UFO community uh, understand, for the most part, that uh, a lot of the records on this are not uh, subject to Freedom of Information Act's uh, request, and, and and that they probably aren't even owned by the government at this point. They're, they're probably in the vaults of these defense contractors that are part of the secret control group that are helping to cover this up, and we're not going to see any of those records we're not going to get any nobody in the ufo community reasonably expects at this point that uh biden's gonna uh, have access to potentially uh explosive information that would basically mean lead to disclosure this summer that's not going to happen in fact we i just talked about on a podcast uh yesterday uh that uh the, the, that this new uh, Arrow report that's coming out is going to be bogus. We already know that in advance. I mean, uh, Sh- Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, the former director, has been on his disinformation tour. He's given us a preview of the nonsense he's going to uh, be spewing in that report. Then he gets into Danny Sheehan and and, and uh, some other stuff here. I'm not going to read this whole article. I just want to go to the pertinent parts of it where he talks about Jeremy Corbell. He says, uh, Jeremy Corbell, he calls him a discredited UFO celebrity who has 225,900 followers on X and who claims to have played a major role in influencing members of Congress, has been escalating calls for violence. Corbell has tweeted, this is a war, a UFO Vietnam, and that his followers should get mad, rage, and weaponize, and that he won't stop fighting for UFOs until the bodies hit the floor. Corbell adds menacingly that UFO debunkers should beware. This this is all hyperbole from Corbell. Nobody in the UFO community thinks he's calling for violence. He's not calling for violence. This is all taken out of context. Nobody in the UFO community wants violence or is calling for violence. This is completely taken out of context in this. This guy doesn't seem to understand it, or he does understand it, but he used it deliberately. He's, he's, he's shaping and informing and, and misinforming people using these comments that Corbell made that was all hyperbole in the first place. And he goes on to say, many of us have become numb to this kind of excitement coming from the far right, but the UAP issue enjoys broad popularity across the political spectrum and one independent presidential candidate is taking notice, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Then he goes on to this uh, I'll leave the link for this article so you can check it out for yourself. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read segments of it. He gets into all of this stuff about how uh, with Kennedy and, and then Trump and 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 that it could come June when when the when Joe Biden uh, when, when we when that when the deadline for these reports comes due that that he's not going to have anything and it's going to make him look bad and he'll end up losing the election because of that. That's not. This is all nonsense. This is all a, a, a fever dream here. But uh, it gets better. I want to talk. He gets the, the one thing he gets into here 
which is absolutely insane. And I don't, I didn't even, I never even heard of this before. I don't think, you know, most people in the UFO community probably don't even know what he's talking about here. He has a section here called Birthing the New Sphere or Newosphere. I don't even know how to pronounce it. And he says, for my part, I should disclose that over the last three years, I've interviewed Danny Sheehan several times, twice at his office in Santa Cruz, now 78 with a mop of curly gray hair perched atop a broad face with dark eyes. He is an affable, interesting conversationalist and a font of knowledge on many topics. His bio lists some of the most notable cases of the 20th century, the Pentagon Papers, the Karen Silkwood case, and an infamously unsuccessful case that attempted to unearth via discussion discovery the roots of the iran contra scandal it doesn't say anything here by the way about Sheehan representing whistleblowers in here it doesn't say anything about that at all it doesn't even touch on that and he goes on to say overlooking danny's desk placed high by a window was a large black and white portrait of the french-american catholic theologian pierre Telhard de chardin Telhard proposed that Jesus perhaps represented a more evolved version of man, and he, along with Russian scientist Vladimir Vernatsky uh, and French mathematician Edward Leroy, coined the idea of the newosphere, a point of, at which Earth and humanity would go through a fa- phase change and evolve into something more enlightened, or Christic. This term, coined by Telhard, so moved Sheehan, his, he named his first advocacy group the Christic Institute. Sheehan would likely tell you that the aliens have come here to help humanity evolve and become more like Telhard's notional space Jesus. Another person enamored with the newest sphere is Vladimir Putin, though he prefers his compatriot Vernatsky's conception to Telhard's. Vernatsky believed that our transition from the biosphere to the newest sphere uh, was likely to be violent and catastrophic. So let's listen to what we're talking about here. He's talking about that people like uh, like uh, Danny Sheehan, because he believes in this uh, newest sphere, uh, and he believes in the uh, in this. Not, uh, we're going to reach this point of enlightenment at some point in the future that's that somehow it jibes with Vlad, because because of, because uh, Vladimir Putin believes in, in in a version of this that uh, that involves violence and catastrophe then that means all everybody in the UFO community is looking towards some violent catastrophic event that's going to lead us to this enlightenment which is complete all of it actually to me is completely insane that has nothing to do with anything that's going on uh in Congress right now Nothing. What's this guy looking at here? What's he talking about here? This is a completely insane conspiracy theory, what he's talking about here. I'm not going to get into the rest of it because it's complete, absolute nonsense. But then, of course, he uh, the story then, then segs to uh, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick. Of course, the uh, he's so understanding. So He's presented here so as a understanding guy here, so uh, truthful and, and patriotic. You know, that's that's how it's presented here. It says Sir Kirkpatrick, who recently resigned recently resigned as the head of the Department of Defense's all domain anomaly resolution office, the latest such effort to aggregate and investigate UAP reports, penned a scathing Scientific American op-ed in January 2024, calling out the network of UFO activists. Arrow also compiled a report submitted to Congress and to be published sometime this year, actually by March 7th, we as we know. Uh, according to Kirkpatrick, Arrow found no evidence of the exist- existence of any alien life or a government cover-up. Now, this moron here, this investigative journalist, that's th- he's taking that for gospel, that, that Kirkpatrick just... Oh, he didn't find anything, so that's it, period. 
Well, what, what did he do? Did he ask Kirkpatrick what he what did he do? Right? What did he do? Did he just simply call up these places where whistleblowers had accused of of, of housing uh, alien craft, reverse or or reverse it, trying to reverse engineer these uh, alien craft or, or or stored alien bodies? Did he actually just call them up and ask them if they if that's true, and then hung up the phone when they told him it's not? I mean, what what did he do? This guy's just taking Kirkpatrick word, his words for gospel. And the other thing about this too, if you're an investigative journalist, and and how can you call yourself that? I mean, any investigative journalist would, would if they're going to talk about this subject, they would study it. They would you would have. There's a lot to study here. It would take you a long time to figure this all out. But I can assure you, any investigative journalist who actually does real study here, right, they're going to come to the conclusion that not only are we busy being visited to, or, on Earth by some kind of non-human intelligence, whether it's from uh, another planet or, or whether it's here or what wherever right they're going to know that not only that is true but they're also going to know that there is a government cover-up there's just too much evidence to that effect there's just too much but anyway <clears throat> it continues here it says in a follow-up interview with scientific american kirkpatrick agreed with editor daniel vergano's characterization of washington's latest obsession as a tremendous game of telegraph that's been going on for a long time and it's spun up now from the world of ufology to entertainment to the congress and genuine congress people pounding the table and demanding answers and he goes on to talk about the late Senator Daniel Patrick Monahan, who warned about the dangers of overclassification and excessive government secrecy. Opportunists, foreign and domestic, are happy to amplify and take advantage of popular distrust in government. The United States should normalize its security protocols to ensure that information is not unnecessarily classified, seeding public suspicion that government vaults contain dark secrets that, if revealed, would cause an ontological shock is a gift to our adversaries, and we should actively counter it. Uh, what are you talking about? What do you mean it's a gift to our adversaries? What do you think the, the, those people, that, what are you talking about here? I mean, onto, they're saying that basically our adversaries, Russia and, 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 and China, they're going to use this against us somehow. They're going to feed us. They're, they're going to help feed this narrative too, this, this conspiracy narrative that somehow all these people, these uh, morons that he's pretty much calling us in the UFO community, these violent militants or whatever he wants to say, uh, this violent group of people uh, that, uh, that, that that's going to even make us more frenzied in the end. I mean, the words he uses here, he goes, the f he continues here. He says, the fact that a fringe group of activists, he called it fringe group of activists, mirroring messaging from hostile foreign powers has injected frivolous legislation rooted in myth into our most important defense bill is alarming. Okay, let me just stop there for a second. I'll tell you what's alarming is that there's dumbbells out there like this guy who doesn't do any kind of investigation that's worth that that he should be doing right and then calls himself an investigative journalist he's a poseur legislators need to practice better discernment and not be swayed by popular mythology even as they themselves may have become susceptible to tempting questions planted by decades-long information warfare campaigns now this again this guy's a complete dope just like stephen greenstreet is a complete dope what they don't want to talk about here is the fact that People in Congress have been meeting in skiffs with these whistleblowers like David Grush and others. There was about 40 other ones. They have been meeting with some of these people in closed doors. They have learned some things. The, the, this bipartisan group of, of legislators would not be pushing for that kind of language in, in, their, in the National Defense Authorization Act bill if there weren't things there that had teeth. They know things that the public doesn't know right now, and they can't talk about it. This guy doesn't know this. He, obviously, he doesn't, even talk, he doesn't even talk about the whistleblowers or the skiffs or David Grush at all. 
<clears throat> then he continues here. He says, H.L. Mencken observed, democracy is the theory that the common people know what they want and deserve to get it good and hard, but the people they elect should work to make systemic changes that diffuse suspicions over time rather than be guided by modern myth makers. Okay, that's, that's great, yeah, but the people they elect should work to make systemic changes that diffuse suspicions over time. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing by trying to pass this legislation rather than be guided by modern myth makers. No, if those people like Lou Elizondo and Christopher Mellon and uh, Jeremy Corbell or whoever, whoever's trying to put uh, Ben Congress's ear, that's not the, the full reason why they're doing this. They see, they have seen things and they've been meeting with these people in skiffs, been whistleblowers, people who know more stuff. David Grush talked about not only talking with these whistleblowers and getting information from them, but he's seen the documentation that corroborated what they were telling him. Does this guy know any of this then he goes on to say this this is the i love this part he says the offices of senators kirsten gillibrand mike rounds marco rubio chuck schumer and mark warner were contacted while researching this story but they did not respond good good they didn't respond why should they respond to this guy I mean, what, what do you, what's he gonna? They're gonna. He's gonna call him up. He's like, yeah, you guys really don't f- believe in this nonsense from Jeremy Corbell and David Grush and Lou Elizondo, right? This UFO silliness, right? You're not falling for that. You're, you're just. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I, that's a stupid kind of question. He's probably gonna ask because the guy's obviously a dumbbell. Obviously. Yeah, he has, what he's confusing with is he's confused be- between uh, a frustration, which I which you see here on my podcast on a regular basis every week. You see frustration, frustration at, at this cover-up, right? That's what he's, he's confusing frustration, right, with, with violence, with, with, with uh, potential violence. Nobody's calling for violence in the UFO community. Nobody's calling for, Jeremy Corbell wasn't calling for violence from the UFO. He's not. He's, that, that was just hyperbole. He was just using, he was just getting people, people worked up but everybody in the ufo people in the ufo community are smart right we don't they don't want violence they don't like it i don't like what's going on in the world right now i don't like the fact that there's people dying over in israel and and i and i don't like the fact that there's people dying in palestine or 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 in ukraine i, I don't like it i hate it i hate violence i hate war everybody in the ufo community hates it right and, and we and we actually we some of us know that there is some sort of a presence here a non-human intelligence among us right we know it because some of us had experiences like myself right and we know that they must look at us and look look at these wild animals running around killing each other we don't like it we don't like it so this guy here he's painted the ufo community as a bunch of violent morons that's what he's trying to do actually this guy's the dope he's a moron and that's here's another thing right this is called frustrate it's called frustration and and we're calling you out if you you see here's the problem he they're taking this as 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 being violent right they're not we're not being violent we're calling you dopes out who who are sitting behind there with the blinders on and not looking at the evidence all the time we're sick of it we're sick of people like you with your big platforms putting out stupid articles like this on research and calling yourself an investigative journalist again you're opposed yeah that's what you are it's called anger and frustration there's no violence here none anyway uh moving on uh yeah need to move on here now enough of that 
uh, all I could say is this is is that uh, people in the UFO community uh, they're they're good people they're kind people they're humble people they're people who ha- have st- for decades now a lot of us have st- stood back and just took it right we're and, and when they there's nothing we could do there's no outlet now we're using we're using the power of the internet to talk to people to tell other people that hey there's something to this there is a cover-up and we're tired of it there is that people have uh, had encounters with non-human intelligent creatures with, with they've seen these their craft up close that's what we're trying to do we're trying to get it out there we're frustrated but we're not violent we're smart people actually people in the ufo community they're they're, they're among the smartest people in this world they they, they don't, they're not afraid of any sort of uh repercussions that they might face for talking the truth for 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 for, for, for uh, blurting out their concerns that's that's who the ufo community is anyway uh moving on uh, i want to talk about uh now i i was talking in the previous podcast about um uh, that the Pentagon's preparing to offer a fifth explanation for the Roswell UFO crash. And uh, I received some uh, different comments from different people. On, on Spotify, I, had, uh, I received a comment from Kyle M. He says, did you see the university show that AI lie detecting to prove the witnesses of Roswell were telling the truth about bodies and UFO crash materials? All proven correct. Yes, I did, and I know what he's talking about there. I, I, I know I did talk about this show. Uh, this was, There was a show, it was on the Discovery Channel, and that was back in, um, uh, I guess it was uh, it was in 2022, and I did talk about that, I'm sure I did. It was called Roswell, The Final Verdict. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, there was there was they what that show did it was it took some cl- archival clips of different witnesses to, to some of the events at Roswell involving some of the crash material bodies and whatnot, and when they they had AI look at them, uh, look at the video and and the AI for the most part determined that all these people were telling the truth. So that is something I'll leave the link for people uh, uh, who haven't seen that so they could check that out. Uh, and also, uh, I wanted to just point out, yeah, here's something else. Talking about uh, debunkers, yeah, I talk about sometimes this Jason Colavito. He wrote today, I and mean, this is how they are. This is how goofy these people are. He, he says here, Tom, you're talking about Tom DeLonge. He just, he, Tom DeLonge just published a book that was based on uh, the Trinity crash that Jacques Vallée was talking about. So Jason Colavito puts a post on here about it. it. says, DeLong writes a novel based on Jacques Vallée's account of a hoax, and soon enough the novel will become secret proof that the hoax wasn't a hoax. Okay, for one thing, I, I didn't know that this was a hoax. I never, I mean, there's been information presented. I haven't seen any debunker come up and state, uh, uh, you know, you know, with end-all evidence that showing that the Trinity crash that Vallée was talking about in his book about Trinity was a hoax. I never saw anything to that effect. I don't know what he's talking about. And so I actually wrote back to him. I said, uh, I didn't know that the Trinity story was debunked as a hoax. Oh, I get it. You debunked it out of hand by conducting zero research from your armchair. What a great gig. Who do you have to trick to get a research by proclamation job? Yeah, that's, that's what these people do. They, they they basically do their research by proclamation. They don't provide all the data to, to stories. And then, you know, nobody knows the difference, you know, in the, in the, from the legacy media. But this guy, another debunker, getting away with it for 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 years now, uh, putting out lies about stuff, saying that there was a hoax. It might, hey, for all I know, it might be. I, I but I've never seen any any end all evidence to show that the tr- this alleged nineteen forty five Trinity crash, this nineteen, it was a crash that happened in New Mexico allegedly in nineteen forty five. I've never seen any evidence to show that this was a hoax. I, I haven't seen it. Where is it? I mean, where I, I didn't see it. You think he would have at least provided a link to it? But there is no link because he just made it up. 
from his from his armchair. Anyway, uh, getting back to this, uh, yeah, uh, before we move on, I wanted to talk about a, another comment I had, re- had received about this uh, fifth explanation for Roswell. Uh, one of my followers here, let me put my glasses on, one of my YouTube followers, Commander Cronus, said, my interest in the Roswell story was destroyed not by the government, but by simply studying the actual media reports from the time. You have zero reports of bodies, but do... But do uh, but do have reports of people finding aluminum foil sticks, rubber strings, stuff like that. I don't know if that was a mogul balloon or not, but it doesn't seem like a spaceship. So what he was saying here, Commander Cronus, is saying that there was all the reports in the newspapers back then didn't have anything in there about uh, uh, alien bodies or spaceships, right, or flying saucers. All, but it did have stuff in there about uh, aluminum foil sticks and rubber and blah blah blah. Yeah, but that's because it was covered up. I responded to him. I said there was nothing in any newspaper because it was covered up. The newspapers weren't given any information. right? So that, nobody knew about it. I mean, the only people who knew about it were the people who were told to shut up or or you know, they were threatened, their lives were threatened. There was a lot of people who testified to that, a lot of civilians. And then there was a lot of people in the military who were t- told to shut up. Uh, and they didn't talk about it for years, like Jesse Marcel Sr., for instance, and among other people. And then it went to like a back and forth between me and Commander uh, Cronus on this. Like he's unconvinced about the Roswell case. And uh, and then he brought up uh, Walter Hout. He says, uh, I can't say for sure if the, he's talking about the Walter Hout affidavit. Actually, we all, as some of you know out there, Walter Hout was the communications director for the Ar- Ar- Roswell Army Air Force uh, at, in Roswell at that time. And he was ordered to send out this press release that they kept recovered a flying disc. And then uh, a few years before Hout died, he signed an affidavit stating that, yeah, he actually did see uh, uh, remnants of the craft, the, the crash, and, he, and that he did see uh, the alien bodies, right? And that he knew that they were extraterrestrial and that they, they, they weren't allowed to talk about it. That's basically what he said in his affidavit. And Commander Cronus says, I can't say for sure if the affidavit is true or not, but if, but if it's true, then why didn't Walter Hout mention this before? In the 1990s, the Air Force officially released any and all military personnel from secrecy oaths or non-disclosure agreements they might have signed pertaining to the Roswell incident. Well, this was all outlined in books like this, Witness to Roswell, uh, by Thomas Carey and Donald Schmidt. And I actually wrote back to him. It says he mentioned some things in life, but he had promised Colonel Blanchard that he would never say anything while he was alive. That's why he waited until he was dead. So he apparently, according to uh, uh, his family, to, to Hout's family and other people, the researchers, uh, Hout did not want to say anything because he had sworn to this Colonel Blanchard that he would never say anything publicly about the bodies or the wreckage and he he only touched on it here and there in life, but then he he signed this affidavit several years before he died, and then uh, that's how we know that's that's how that went down. And actually, uh, one of my other followers, Tony Barnes, actually uh, expounded on this, and I just want to read his comment here. He says, that's exactly how I understand the situation. Hout and Blanchard were good friends, and Hout swore to keep the secret as long as he lived. When he got older, his daughter, Julie Schuster, and Don Schmidt, plus Thomas Carey, convinced him to prepare an affidavit exposing the truth to to be released upon his demise. 
and here was a direct quote, Don and I, uh, Julie Schuster, talked to my dad and we said, do you want to do a written statement for release after your death? And he agreed to it. Schuster, Schuster continues, we were very careful. My dad was very particular. So he and I went over it word by word, sentence by sentence, just to make sure there was no question about what was written. And that's a direct quote from uh, Julie Schuster. That's that was uh, uh, Hout's daughter. No, no coercion, as far as I know, occurred regarding this affidavit that I've ever read about. Yeah, there's been uh, 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 allusions put out there by people in the in the debunker world. Yeah, he must have been coerced to go sign that. He he was probably out of his mind. He was only, he was a late in life, so they had him sign that because he was he was you know senile at the time. That's what they try to make you believe. It's always some stupid excuse where uh, by the debunker crowd that to make something uh, to to paint something as as uh, uh, deceitful. Anyway, continuing here, it says, Walter, uh, what Hout's affidavit revealed was not only was that not only was his initial press release about a recovered flying disc accurate, but that there were two crash sites at Roswell, and he himself had witnessed firsthand what had fallen from the sky that fateful night in 1947. Basically, Dad said, yes, we did see the bodies. Yes, he did see the craft, and much more than that, said Schuster. At one point, I asked him about the size, and he said the craft was about 25 feet in diameter. The ship, which he described, was about the size of a Volkswagen Beetle, more of an egg-shaped object, and he did see a number of bodies, uh, says Carrie. He described them as being the size of children, and when asked point-blank if what he believed it was that he had seen, without hesitation, he'd say, it was not from this earth, it was something manufactured off this earth. Uh, and it also says here, Carrie and Schmidt found dozens of other witnesses for their book, each one verifying how it's claims claims there's a whole lot more of course i 100 percent. this is this is a comment directly from tony barnes there's a whole lot more of course i 100 percent believe walter hot was telling the absolute truth he'd kept the secret faithfully as he'd sworn to his entire life why would a man of his caliber change his story unless he felt the truth needed to be told my belief, as I stated previously, is that Walter Hout's affidavit is absolutely true. Others may believe differently. I have no issues with that. Yeah, and I just want to point out, I mean, I talk about Roswell on here all the time, but I always also say that people, if you want to understand Roswell, you're not going to get it from any documentary. You're not going to get it, get it from some from, from a, even a collection of podcasts. It's too detailed. There's too much to it. You become convinced by what happened there, but when you read the books that people have put together, a lot of research went into these books. Like I talk about all the time, I have them right here. Uh, Roswell, the ultimate cold case closed. Witness to Roswell. Both of these were by uh, Tom, uh, Thomas Carey and Donald Schmidt. There's another book I have here, The, the Truth About the UFO Crash at Roswell. Uh, that was written by Kevin Randall and Donald Schmidt. There's there's a ton of different books, and you go through them and you see all the witnesses. You know, there's more witnesses than the the, the main witnesses we, that are usually talked about on 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 these documentaries are usually Jesse Marcel Jr., Jesse Marcel Sr., Walter Hout, uh, uh, among others. Right? There's a, a Glenn Dennis, the mortician. There's a lot of different witnesses you see on TV all the time, but there's a lot more beyond that that you don't even that the documentary won't even talk about because there's just too much and there's other details too that a, a an hour long or a two hour long documentary uh could get into there's just so much to it and when you put all when you read all the information and you see all the all the testimony from all the different people you realize there's there's no question this happened there's just no question i'm just going to give you a couple of other four instances uh that i picked up here picked out in this uh witness to roswell here's one uh uh, Sergeant Homer Rowlett Jr. You know, that's a name you don't usually hear of much. He was a, a member of the 60... This is from Witness to Roswell, by the way. Uh, he was a member of the 603rd Air Engineering Squadron at the 
Roswell Army Airfield in 1947. He was career military and retired as an NCO after 26 years of dedicated service to his country. Before, before passing away in March of 1988, he finally conveyed to his son Larry the following startling information about his involvement with the crash of the flying saucer. His father was part of a cleanup detail sent to the impact site north of Roswell. Larry was told that his father had seen everything. He had handled the memory metal, excuse me, he had handled the memory material, which according to Homer was thin foil that kept its shape. If that wasn't enough, he described the actual ship, which was somewhat circular, but but what fo- followed caught his son completely by surprise. I saw three little people. They had large heads and at least one was alive. His father ended by adding that there were three sites, the one just north of Roswell and the two others near Corona. Uh, yeah, basically there were uh, apparently three sites. Uh, you know, the, 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 the craft apparently exploded over the, uh, the Brazel, the, the ranch where Brazel was working called the Foster Ranch, was, which was about 175 five miles northwest of Roswell. And then there was two other sites uh, where some debris came down and, and the, the, the second site was there was some more debris. And then the final impact site of the, of the main piece was, a, was just north of Roswell, about 45 miles north of Roswell. That's where the body... Well, the bo- most of the bodies were found apparently and and the the bigger piece of the craft the pod that they called it but anyway so this guy's saying he see i saw three little people they had large heads and at least one was alive his father ended by adding that there were three sites uh, one and the one just north of roswell and the other others near corona and then it says here, according to Larry's sister, Carlene Green, my father was a very on- honest, honorable, and trustworthy man. He never lied to me. Her father had never mentioned his tenure at Roswell to her until just two weeks before he died. Homer was only given days to live. Carlene, who at the time knew nothing about the story her dad had secretly passed on to her brother, was nervously waiting with her father as he lay on a gurney in the hospital, about to be wheeled into the operating room. Still totally lucid, he painfully motioned for her to come close so he could speak in case he didn't have another chance which was clearly the impression his daughter had at the time she had no idea he would confess the following i was at roswell when they recovered the spaceship in 1947 i was involved i saw it it's all true homer told carlene that he was sorry for never saying anything before but he was told to keep quiet or else and there was a lot of cases like this a lot of deathbed confessions from a lot of people who were in roswell right before they died they tell family members about what uh they remembered what they experienced at roswell this guy said he saw bodies and this corroborates what other witnesses just like him had, had said i mean there was this other guy here melvin brown he uh you probably saw this guy on uh TV a lot in 1986 as Brown was on his deathbed you probably heard about this guy in a lot of documentaries because he is featured there and he he said he saw it too he saw it was approaching dusk when one other soldier and I were stationed in one of the ambulance trucks at the recovery site everything was being loaded onto trucks and I couldn't understand why some of the trucks had ice or something in them I did not understand what they wanted to keep cold our orders were not to look under the canvas tarp in the back the moment we had a chance I pulled back the covering there were bodies small bodies and they had big heads and slanted eyes there was another guy and uh, also uh, according to brown uh, and among other witnesses a lot of these soldiers who were uh, you know part of this cleanup right they were actually given as an incentive i mean as a part of a cat as a carrot and in addition to the stick saying don't 
ever talk about this. They were also given a carrot, and that carrot was $10,000. Melvin Brown said he received $10,000 from this. And here's one more. I'll just give you one more. This is probably one you never heard of. Uh, or a lot of people, some people have, but I'm sure some of you out there have not heard. Uh, Myers Wani was a full-blooded Comanche Indian who had piloted B-24 Liberator bombers during World War II. Wani was a top-tier security officer by 1947. Uh, in July of that year, Captain Wani was ordered from Fort Simmons in Colorado to Roswell Field in New Mexico to oversee the transport of a top-secret item from Was Roswell to Fort Worth via a special B-29 flight. The item in question was a single large wooden crate that Wan Yi was to accompany in the bomb bay for the duration of the flight to Fort Worth. Apparently motivated by a featured segment about the Roswell incident in 1980 on the popular TV show In Search Of, Wan Yi finally broke his silence on the matter with his family during the final year of his life. According to his daughter Blanche in a 2005 telephone interview with our investigation, uh, this is what her father said to her. One, the Roswell incident was true. Two, he had flown with the alien bodies from Roswell to Fort Worth. And three, there were three sites. So that's, that, see, when you start, this is the issue. When you dig into the Roswell story and you compare the, what the witnesses to this, all these witnesses to this, tell you right compared to what the air force has been trying to push on us all these years anthropomorphic dummies that were dropped in 1957 uh, an explosion uh, an aircraft they people got confused with the with the with the crash of of a of a air force uh, cargo or uh, carrier plane or whatever in 1956 where all these guys were killed and they, they try to confuse people and they don't but here's the thing they don't talk about all of these uh eyewitness reports and a lot of them were deathbed confessions and when you put it all together it tells you that something happened in roswell and had nothing to do with a balloon and here's one other thing to keep in mind you know uh the site when, when the site at the debris field uh, at the on the foster ranch like according to jesse marcel uh senior i mean it was a wide area and the whole thing was just strewn with all this wreckage. And it took them, a, you know, a good part of the day just to collect a lot of these pieces and, and put them in the back of this Jeep that they had. Uh, and there was still a lot of stuff there. I mean, it was, he just took back some samples, right? And so, but, but he also talked about, you know, there was parts of the ground that were gouged out, like something came down and then bounced back up again. There was big gouges in the ground. A, a, a balloon train doesn't cause things like that. That, so that's another thing to keep in mind. They're just the evidence is overwhelming in favor of the extraterrestrial uh, craft crashing. That's the, the bottom line. You do the research, you read these books, you put it all together, read the read the Air Force books, and you know what? There's a, there are there are books out there that were written by debunkers about Roswell. You read those, and you can see how they deliberately keep information out uh, that doesn't support their their hypothesis that they're, they're they try to put forth. Right? That's you, you see the difference. You can see how they're being uh, how they're lying when you put it all together right you, you, you come to, you can only come to one conclusion that there's a cover-up and they're about to lie to us again they're about to tell us to re give us a rehashing of the roswell crash that it, uh in this new arrow report we've heard it from kirkpatrick it's going to be filled with lies it's going to be the same old same old they're going to talk about polyethylene balloons that weren't even be in use in 1947 they're going to they're going to talk about stuff like that i could tell you and I, I could be wrong but whatever the case right they're, they're going to lie they're not going to tell the truth about it it's just the way it is it's just the way it is and you know and i just also want to point out one other thing here uh you know i was recently talking about this brian bender uh he's another debunker you know making stupid statements um 
and he made recently, and he he said something to the effect of uh, that you know where's the proof at? You know these whistleblowers are talking about, but they never have any evidence. You know they don't stop to think about what the situation is here. The the evidence is 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 you know in highly secure facilities where there are armed people standing around, and if you try to steal something from it, they're going to shoot you. That's why we the, the whistleblowers just can't come up with any evidence right, like that. I mean, how, how could they? They're get shot. That's what's going on here. These people, they just don't think it through. They just don't think it through. They just throw it all away. They just take whatever the, the Pentagon tells them as, as truth and just, yeah, these other people are crazy and weirdos. And now we are now we have this other guy here trying to say, trying to lump us in with QAnon and, and, and uh, uh, extremists, violent extremists. And it's just nonsense. It's just nonsense. They're really trying to make the UFO community look really bad. And now it's another step here today, what we talked about earlier with this clown uh, making us look like we're a bunch of, uh, of violent, empty-headed, stupid goofballs. When it's actually these people, them themselves, this guy, that that poser, pretending to be an investigative reporter, not doing his homework, and then writing garbage like that and putting it out there uh, for the world to absorb. Anyway, I want to just say uh, thank you all for joining me. Until next time.